As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep. It's a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand that I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce a new innovation to their reserve collection, CBD gummies with 5 milligrams of THC. The Reserve Collection is a specially curated blend of full-spectrum cannabinoids, rich and bold, the Reserve Collection product solicits strong feelings of calm, comfort, and relief when intense support is needed. Enjoy a deeper CBD experience with Plus CBD's Reserve Collection of oils, soft gels, and gummies. All of their products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code HOFFMAN30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's new Reserve Collection Gummies. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today we're going to talk about a very interesting new book. It's entitled Common Sense Medicine, Healing from the Inside Out and Stopping the Next Pandemic. Our guest today is Dr. Lon Jones. He's a frequent contributor here on Intelligent Medicine. He's got this new book which kind of sums up his philosophy of medicine, which is very closely akin to mine. He is a retired board-certified doctor of osteopathic medicine with a graduate degree in the history of science. And the book is laced with references to uh, the history of science. So it's a very scholarly book, very accessible to a lay audience. And so uh, the subtitle of the book is Healing from the Inside Out and Stopping the Next Pandemic. So uh, practical advice on how we might tackle uh, a potential resurgence of COVID or the next big thing. So, Dr. Jones, pleasure having you back on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks very much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. It's my great pleasure. Uh, so, first of all, uh, I had I was thinking of you the other day because uh, I was doing my uh, weekly radio program, and it's a live show, so we get live callers. Uh, and somebody posed the question. Usually, you know, I can see the question because my producer puts it up on my uh, call board uh, telling me what to anticipate. And the question was, uh, what's wrong with the current medical system in the United States? And I thought, well, great. I have about six or eight <laughs> minutes to answer that question because of the constraints. I'm, you know, coming up to commercial break. Uh, and I tackled that question as best as I could. But I'm pretty sure that <laughs> based on what I've read in your book, Common Sense Medicine, uh, you can come up with a more comprehensive critique. So uh, you, you want to tee off on I'm, that subject? I'm not sure I can do it in six minutes. <laughs> uh, I think you, you, you got this is a different format. You got plenty of time to expostulate on uh, your take on this. And, and by the way, you're a veteran in medicine. Uh, you're a family practitioner. Uh, you also raised, at last count, I, I think 10 kids. Is that is that an accurate count? Say it, say it once more. Yeah, you, you raised 10 kids. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's probably about right. Well, about right. You, but you lost count. Uh, you lost count, or you left. Yeah, you, maybe I, you left I a was. couple at the gas station while you were touring the United States. Who knows? Uh, about about halfway through my career, 
I started doing emergency medicine. And that's not a good way to raise kids. Yeah. No, it, you could be kind of an absentee dad. Yeah. So, uh, you know, based on you know what you're saying in common sense medicine, there's some fundamental problems with the way we deliver medical care in the United States. So, uh, you know, based on to to a large extent, it's it's the capitalist system. It's a profit motive. Uh, Winston Churchill once said, uh, you know, democracy is a terrible system. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, but uh, compared to the others. <laughs> It's a lot better. Yeah. So uh, similarly, you know, capitalistic medicine uh, brings us a lot of innovations, but there's also a lot of downsides, right? Um, true on all counts. Um, when I wrote that book, I thought and I thought about uh, subtitles. And one of them that I had a hard time disposing of was, was uh, how to get money out of American healthcare. Because the, the profit orientation that we have now is what's destroying medicine. And I tried to portray that on the cover. Uh, I have the, the cover of the book is a picture of a, of a dollar sign, but trapped in the dollar sign is Asclepius's staff. Mm -hmm. And it's bent to the breaking point because right. of the money. And that's the famous staff with the snake running around it, which is always, you know, the, the symbol of, of medicine has been since the time of the Greeks. Yeah. And, yes. and, the, and the snake, the, the depiction of healing, is eating its tail in frustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't actually, so so I didn't even, the cover I didn't. That's the book. And that, that I think sums up my, my opinion of American healthcare. Right. And I didn't even register that image, but now that I look at it, I see that it is, uh, you know, it's suggestive of a medical system, but a medical system gone awry with a dollar sign at the center of it. And so you, you are noted for, uh, a really exciting innovation, which is the discovery that xylitol, uh, can be very effective in chewing gum for prevention of, uh, dental decay and periodontal disease, but also, uh, initially used it for uh, respiratory symptoms, uh, in kids. Found success. Uh, your son founded a company, uh, Nate Jones, uh, which is called Clear, X-L-E-A-R, and the rest is history. And I think that there's really good science behind the potential benefits of xylitol. But I read in the book, and I didn't know this, is that uh, you wanted to make this freely available. And you actually, uh, you know, you started the company. And yes, there's a profit motive there. But you also wanted to uh, mainstream it. You wanted to create uh, a uh, an NDA, a new drug application. From what I understand, you went to the pharmaceutical industry, but you got a kind of a cold shoulder. Why was that? Um, when you go to the Amer the, uh, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, yeah. uh, they said, and I, and I quote them, um, I, I said, we don't, we, I have a very good way to wash your nose. They said, we don't have a category for nose washing. What does that do? And I told them what my experience was in the, the decrease in sinus infections, a decrease in the, in the ear infections, which is what I made it for. Anything in your airway is better if your airway is clean. And I told them that. And they said, then it's a drug. And I looked at how much it, it costs to, to jump through their hoops to make it a drug. 
And I didn't have that kind of money, so I called the pharmaceutical industry. And their initial interest evaporated when I told them that xylitol was the main ingredient. And they said, you can buy that at the store, can't you? And I said, yeah. And they said, we're not interested. And they're not interested because they would have to pay that million dollars or more to get through to drug hood from the FDA. And they would have to charge 40 or $50 a bottle. And people would go to the grocery store and buy it and make it themselves. Mm-hmm. And I so think there's, so. There's no profit in a in a food. Yeah, and I think that's that's, a drug. The, that's the dilemma that a lot of natural products that are efficacious uh, have. On the one hand. Uh, they are not patentable because you really can't patent nature. You can't patent quercetin or you can't patent vitamin D or you can't patent, uh, coenzyme Q10. Uh, they exist in nature. Uh, similarly, you can't patent xylitol. It's commonly available. Uh, but the, the dilemma too is because of the way they've set up the current, uh, supplement laws, uh, if you make a claim that something like xylitol is efficacious for medical condition, then it becomes regulated as a drug. And paradoxically, it becomes a victim of its own success. Wouldn't you say? I mean, you might say, well, you make some vague claims. Well, xylitol might help with respiratory health. You can say that or, you know, nasal passage, uh, well-being or something. You know, use weasel words. But if you say that, well... Uh, it's been shown that it reduces dental decay, or it's been shown that it may reduce the risk of respiratory infections, or even make a very ambitious claim that uh, it may have an impact on COVID. God forbid, it, then it becomes a drug, and then you have to go through a drug process to validate that. Am I summing it up correctly? You're summing it up correctly, and, and you're, you're, you're covering the bases that we jumped through, because... Uh, it does do this, but the company was very forthright and very honest, and all they did was sell an, a nasal wash. With this is clean, it cleans your nose. But when COVID came along, they wanted to really find out, and I, and I recommended that my son uh, contact some laboratories and then see. And so he paid the Antiviral Research Center at the University of Utah uh, Utah State University in Ogden, and they j- jumped through the hoops and did a study showing that yes, Clear has a pronounced effect on the back on the virus on COVID, and the grapefruit seed extract that is their preservative kills it, and the xylitol that's in it makes it so it doesn't hang on. So, so la- lack of adherence, because we uh-huh. know that a, a large part of the infectivity of COVID has to do with the degree of adherence. There are certain receptors in the respiratory tract which are avid for the spike protein, which it seems to be the anchoring piece of the virus. And it's all about you know, not necessarily killing the virus, but maybe preventing adherence. Yeah. Yeah, it, it prevents the adherence, and if you don't, if it doesn't hang on, you don't get sick. Mm-hmm. Probably the best example of that is the puzzle of Africa, because early on, Africans didn't get sick. They didn't have problems with COVID. But when they started measuring antibodies in these Africans, they found out that they had antibodies to it. Now, why? If they never got sick, 
yet they had the disease and they had antibodies to it. They had immunity to it. And the reason for that, I think, is because Africa is where we all developed. And the adaptations that we developed, that part, part of evolution, is in our airway that is triggered to get the humidity, the water that it needs from the atmosphere. And Anthony Arundel and a bunch of colleagues from down in uh, um, that island south of of Australia, whatever it is. That would be New Zealand or, yeah, Tasmania, whatever. No, no the one where the beast is. <laughs> the Tasmanian devil, hey, you're thinking, right? But is that uh, hey, Tasmania, possibly? Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, Okay. Anyway, they they did a study looking at humidity in the air that we breathe and its effects on on air, on airway diseases, allergies, and asthma. They found out that there's a sweet spot when the humidity is between forty and sixty percent, and that's when all of our conditions are minimized. We don't live in that environment anymore because we moved indoors. And the air conditioning and heating people tell us that the comfortable humidity is around 30%. Mm-hmm. In wintertime, when we turn the heat on, it drops down to 10 to 20. Which is worse and than the Sahara Desert, sick. from what I understand. And that's when we get sick. Mm. Because our airway defenses are compromised by that decrease in humidity. If we don't have the water in our airway, then the cilia can't sweep. The cilia, the little things that sweep the little fingers that sweep all the mucus out, and the mucus doesn't get enough water to be effective mucus. So if you if you don't have that environment, and in Africa, where, it's, where people are poor, they don't have air conditioning, they have to live in that environment. And the humidity in Africa is what we adapted to. If that humidity is, is, is optimal, and our airway defenses are optimal, there's the same... Glycans is the word they use. There's, there's a family of sugars and sugar complexes that are on our cells, all of our cells, and they're also on the bacteria and the viruses. And it's the mediation between those sugar complexes that makes adherence. And there, there also seems to be a blood sugar, I'm sorry, a blood type connection to that. It's been found there that uh, type O's are less susceptible and type A's more susceptible to COVID. It doesn't mean the type O's don't get COVID, but they might get uh, less COVID and milder cases than type A's. And that has to do with the sugar molecules, which are the receptors on the red blood cells that define our blood types, right? Yeah, the, the end, the end sugar, the end glycan, because they're sugar complexes. The end glycan of the, of the chains of sugar complexes on our, on our red blood cells. Uh, one is fucose, that's type O. Galactose is type A. Galactosamine and acetylgalactosamine is B. So those are the glycans and they're, they, they have a very important function in our immune system as that will indicate because if we give people the wrong kind of blood, their immune system destroys the blood. So those glycans are a very critical part of our immune system. They also tell our cells where to hang on. And they, and they 
do the same thing with the viruses or bacteria. There's a very, very interesting article written by uh, Bill Costerton of biofilm fame. That was published. Just excuse me. Just, just let's American. back. Let's just back up. What? Uh, let's back up and talk a little bit about biofilms because uh, you know, for a listening audience, just a brief definition: what are what are biofilms and how do they impact uh, oral health and respiratory health? Well, when when you get a microbe that enters your body, the first thing it does is hang on. The second thing it does is try and immune and try and avoid your immune system. If it can do that for a while, then it multiplies if it becomes a colony. Then if the colony gets threatened, there is a process called quorum sensing that the microbes in the colony, they kind of vote. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them destroy self, self-destruct. And in the process, they make a, a matrix or a, a, a shell around the colony that protects them from outside threats. So if you're taking an antibiotic to kill the microbes, it takes 50 to 100 times as much Mm -hmm. antibiotic to get into the biofilm to kill the bacteria. Mm -hmm. And so we have a lot of problems like that. And bacteria in these biofilms are the ones that are um, developing resistance because we can't get enough microbe enough bacteria in the micro in the mm-hmm. biofilms to kill them and so they know what's there and so they develop resistance to it and, and that may, and may be a the, problem especially in in nasal passages where maybe the blood flow is somewhat attenuated or perhaps in the prostate you know parts of the body where there's not the greatest blood flow and then you can't get those uh, antibiotic concentrations a hundred times what you might ordinarily need to kill bacteria in a petri dish. They're they're kind of encapsulated or protected by the biofilm. This is a big problem in medicine. Right. Yeah, right. And there and there's good biofilms too. There's, there's stuff, the biofilms in our stomach are helpful to us. The biofilm in the female vagina is part of, is their primary defense system mm-hmm. because they're good bacteria and. So you don't want to destroy them. You want to keep them. Uh, there's a biofilm on, in the plaque on our teeth that can be formed if you have xylitol at the right time. You have microbes in your plaque on your teeth that don't cause tooth decay. That kind of biofilm in your plaque, you don't want to go to the dentist and get cleaned off. Because it's helpful. It keeps you from getting tooth decay. And that's what the Finns found a long time ago. Are you saying that, that using you know, really strong antibacterial mouthwashes or excessive, uh, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, people who bleach their teeth for tooth whitening, that that might have a deleterious effect on the defense of the teeth? Uh, I don't think anybody's ever looked at it, but probably. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's an interesting possibility. Um, okay, so you, I'm sorry, I interrupted you to define biofilms, but you were talking about a study on biofilms. Do, do you remember that yeah. train of thought? Yeah, go uh, ahead. Bill, Bill Costerton was the person that, that uh, came up with the term biofilm. And a couple of years before he did that, he wrote an article in Scientific American in 1979, January, long, long time ago, entitled, How Bacteria Stick. 
And in that article, he talked about the glycocalyx. This is the word for all the glycans. And there are long chains of glycans that come out of all of our cells and all of the microbes that you find in nature. And the first thing he did in that article is point out that if you have a laboratory study of microbes, those microbes are fed, they're nourished, they're cared for. They don't need to develop biofilms or, or the, the glycans around them because they're kept. They're, na- they're So they're naked. They can run around naked. But in nature, they need the clothing of all the glycans. And they need it to hang on to strange and foreign people. So it's the sticking. And in that article, uh, Kosterton also tells how you can approach this problem and how you can solve it. And it was by interfering with the making of the glycans, the glycan chains. I don't think that's a good idea because we don't know really that much of what the glycans are for. We know they're, they're, they're significant in the immune system. Mm-hmm. They're significant in where our cells move around in our body. But we don't really, because we can't really study them that easily. And there's not very many people doing that study. But so, so we don't want to, we don't want to kill them off. But is there, uh, at least, uh, theoretically, some potential benefit of xylitol? Does xylitol do something to the biofilm to, shall we say, uh, make it more uh, accessible to the immune system and or antibiotics? Yes and yes. Okay. And the reason, the reason, the, the, the other two reasons that he came up with or the other two methods that he came up with uh, are interfering with the adherence of the, where the, where the, where the glycans adhere to each other. And xylitol, the parent molecule of xylitol is xylose which is plant sugar. And xylose is one of the glycans. Hmm. And xylitol is also flexible. It's an open molecule. It can twist and bend and contort itself so that it can look like a lot of these other glycans. So, so, it, so it, kind of, have, it kind of fools the, the, the glycan receptors or something, you know, kind of jams them up right. like uh, putting glue right. in a lock or something like that? Uh-huh. Okay. Exactly. Hmm. Interesting. So, so when you have a a uh, let's say COVID, when you have a COVID uh, SARS CoV two virus enter your nose, say you have a million of them, and you breathe them in, the first thing they have to do is hang on. The first thing they meet are the glycans on your mucin molecules. So your nasal mucus is also filled with these glycans that they are the same ones that are on the receptor site, on the, on the cilia. The, uh, <laughs> um, whatever the receptor site is, if I can't think of it right now, the receptor site for what they're looking for. I think it's they're ACE2. On, it's the ACE2 receptor, is it that? Yeah. 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 Uh, they're, they're, on, they're on the cilia. Right. And the virus goes there, and it meets the meets the mucus. It meets the same glycans that are on that receptor in the mucus. Mm-hmm. So if the mucus is optimal, 
that stops a lot of the virus, like and, like we've seen in Africa. And, and if I may interrupt you, that actually may account for this this what's this is really seeming paradox, which is uh, a lot of health professionals went into hospitals that were teeming with COVID. Uh, they masked, but maybe with those paper masks, which really are not so great. And many of them came down with COVID and many of them got very sick and occasionally, tragically, some died, but many seem to be unscathed. Similarly, we see a pattern sometimes in spouses or in households where husband gets sick, but wife who's in the breathing the same air, you know, having a lot of contact, doesn't get sick. Uh, it has to do with a lot of factors, probably, but to some extent, might it have to do with the local defenses in, in the respiratory tract that are either better uh, prepared to uh, repulse the virus? Because, you know, you say a million particles, that sounds like a lot, but that's just nothing, you know, when it comes to the number of particles that may be uh, transmitted with an aerosolized droplet. I mean, there are literally billions of particles in someone who's infected with COVID. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> so in short, and, yes. <laughs> and, and and maybe maybe that other that partner that doesn't get sick is usually clear. <laughs> right. I, we might <laughs> add that. Yeah. Be, because every time you spray your nose with the with the spray of clear, you are introducing a billion times a billion molecules of xylitol to deal with a million viruses. And what the xylitol does is gets between the glycans on the virus and your cells and says, okay, hang on to me. Here I am. And you've got a billion of them arguing with each, <laughs> with each virus. Well, yeah, all and, I, and I think, and I think they win. All, all I know is that, you know, I'm not a big fan of masking. I think masking, uh, you know, so many people who masked religiously came down with COVID. I think it offers kind of a placebo protection. Uh, but one of the things that I do when I go into a crowded space or, you know, when I get in a plane or something is I always use the uh, clear uh, before and after uh, as a means of potentially. I mean, look, there's no, nothing's 100%, uh, but a, a, shall we say attenuating my risk. I, I think that that's the way to put it uh, scientifically and correctly is there's, there's no, yeah. there's no 100% bulwark against misfortune. But uh, I think that this <laughs> offers, you know, something of a, of a, of an edge. Okay. I'm going to pause it's, now because it's, it's, our, a, it's a lot better than a mask. For sure. I, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, we're going to pause now because we divide our podcast into two parts, as our listeners know. Uh, in part two, we're going to continue discussion of common sense medicine, healing from the inside out, and stopping the next pandemic. We talk a lot about uh, xylose and xylitol in the book, uh, but there's a, a real uh, kind of a deep philosophical meditation on uh, what uh, an ideal medical system might look like and how far we've gotten away from the ideal here in the United States uh, with a veteran physician, Dr. Lon Jones, uh, who has also a graduate degree in the history of science. Uh, his book is Common Sense Medicine, Healing from the Inside Out and Stopping the Next Pandemic. Get it from your usual sources. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.